2: Sports Radio 610 presents Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast. We're coming to H time. Let's get the work in, man. Let's go. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Happy Thursday. Happy D'Amico Ryan's unveiling day to all of you. Big Are they going to do it
3: like that? Are they going to unveil them? Like they're, a mural? Maybe
2: a mural or, or uh, a sculpture. Have in, uh, in wrestling, sometimes they have people come out of a box. Like, why is this box in the middle <laughs> of the ring? <laughs>
3: Like this, is just a random box. Yeah, like a random box. Like, oh, the, yeah. the road crew must have screwed up. Yeah. Well, yeah. remember the last Texans introductory press conference, the fire alarm wouldn't stop going off. That's up.
2: right. I so forgot may- about that. Maybe
3: they should have a little fun with it and uh, set the fire alarm off. And then all of a sudden, just like, almost like at a bachelorette party, the firemen rush in and one of them is D'Amico. <laughs> He pulls his uniform off, and he's wearing a suit. <laughs> I
2: would be here for the new era of Texans football if that's how they're doing things like over there.
3: Tamiko Tomiko. comes in, and is a head coach, he's the exact opposite of it. He's goofy, Tomiko. Right, he's just, right, he,
2: right. He's just like, hey, guys, why is everybody taking things so seriously? We are going to take uh-huh. our website hits to a new level. <laughs> yeah.
3: He's all about everything except winning. Right. <laughs>
2: What is Jerry, this?
3: Jerry jones will start bidding for him
2: immediately right, right. Yeah. like the the sixty the sixty former teammates that are there today are gonna be like wait what i mean I gotta tell you something else I never liked any of these guys so it's gonna be fun today man um for those uh who are wondering what the schedule looks like um the press conference today and this sailed right over my head when I saw the the email about this it said uh 3.59 p.m., the uh, press conference. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a strange time for a press conference. And maybe it's because it's being carried on the NFL network or something like that. You know, yeah. they, they, it's a satellite thing, whatever. No, it's because his number was 59. Right, and this, <laughs>
3: right over my head. And this is the third head coach of the uh, – uh, the. Uh, Someone <laughs> said it's in honor of the
2: three wins they had last year. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, it's 59. Well, you know why it sailed over your head is uh, because it's – you know, we're accustomed to start times that are a little weird. You yeah, know, yeah, like, that's true. Twelve o three kickoff. Yeah, or yeah. Like so that. I'm like, all
2: right, I, I guess <laughs> it's an <laughs> yeah, NFL thing. Gonna, it starts the, at a weird time.
3: Squeezing the Corona ad, I guess. That's Whatever. Right. Yeah, that's
2: right. Um, so today, today should be a whole lot of fun. Um, man, what do you think the over under is? A number of thirteen former... wins. No, <laughs> no, oh, the... we'll, okay. we'll get to that in due time. Yeah. Um, no number of former Texans that are going to be there today. Uh, I don't know. Probably. I saw Patrick Storm tweet uh, yesterday, and he's been talking to a lot of these guys. Yeah. He's been getting quotes from a lot yeah. of them, including Chris Myers yesterday, who's going to come yeah. on with us in about 90 minutes or so. Former center for the Texans, yeah. former D'Amico teammate. He tweeted last night. He said, I think there's going to be a lot of former
3: Texans there. I don't know. 30? I, I don't know, Yeah. Be, be, be a, good, a lot of guys still live here. Right. There's always guys that, um, and they come and go, so you never know exactly. It's kind of like how the, uh, I've talked to cops downtown before about how they keep track of the homeless population they kind of you know they they got to know everybody and like who's coming and going and all that there's a delicate ecosystem really? down there yeah. So likewise with the uh, former NFL players, delicate <laughs> ecosystem. They're coming, they're going, <laughs> right, and it's hard right. to keep. Uh, they Except they have homes. It's hard yes. to keep track. Ch- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as the homeless population though, the cops down there, you know, they kind of. At least the one bike cop I was talking to, he had a notebook and everything because you know you got to check in. Somebody disappears and you want to know. Okay, well, are what they happened? are yeah. they okay yeah, or yeah. or if somebody there's one you know there's most of most of those people are just good people that have issues yeah, or yeah. a lot of war veterans and everything. But every now and then there's somebody that you got to really keep an eye on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. That's. Probably a conversation for another time, but I'm no, initially... we're going to do a podcast am, on it today. I am initially fascinated on by D'Amico this. D'Amico Day, we're going to do a <laughs> deep dive into Dive the, into the homeless yeah. problem. Yeah. So,
3: uh, but I think that aside from solving the homelessness situation, yeah. just like the fella in Great White Hype, right. I think that uh, D'Amico will also bring at least 17... Former players to so yeah, I think thought I was going to say wins. Huh?
2: I think it's going to be. I, I think I did. For I, a I think second. there'll
3: be more heavy hitters than there were for the Lovey. That's a good
2: way to put it. The num- the total number, is a is a crapshoot. But yeah, it's, we had
3: Andre Johnson, uh, Jonathan Joseph, um, were the two notable guys that maybe wouldn't have been at a press conference before. Those are the former Pro Bowlers yeah, that were there, who were know? at the Lovey Smith one. Yes, um, which which felt a little bit too, you know, like the Texans. Brass trying to reach out and turn it into something. Whereas I think this is going to be much more of a groundswell of genuine excitement from former players who know D'Amico Ryan and who do feel. and, And we're going to listen to some audio from inside the NFL at seven, where I think that Teddy Bruschi, Ryan Clark, and Marcus Spears actually did a better job of getting to the emotional core and root of a lot of the issues with the Texans the last couple years yeah. than anybody else nationally has done. I was really impressed with them. But one thing that Ryan Clark had touched on was look, you know, those, the players in the locker room and in the meeting room, it, like they knew that those guys weren't there for long. Yeah. They knew, they knew the deal that Lovey Smith and, and, and David Cully, especially had, I think Marcus Pierce said they'd been hired to be fired. Um, it, and it's a, different, it's a different feeling now. It's yeah. a much different situation. The six-year contract. And we know that six-year contracts don't mean that you're going to be here for six years. But much like it was with Kyle Shanahan when he went to a really defunct 49ers organization, it was a show of, all right, listen, we're going to fix this thing. We're going to give you a time and a long runway to figure it out.
2: And if we don't, we're going to pay a tax for making you the next sacrificial lamb. Right, right. And right, it's an extra yeah. year of salary. Right.
3: Cully and Lovey Smith were on three-year deals?
2: Uh, Culley's was at least a four. It was a four-year deal. Yeah, oh, okay. I don't love these. Might have been weird because he was already under contract to the oh, team. Oh, that's
3: right. Yeah, they were so. But it wasn't. It wasn't at that same level of commitment. And I do think the six years also is almost as much for, uh, you know, emotional reasons as actual contractual reasons. It just sounds like okay, that's a commitment. That's
2: yeah. Well, come. it was. It was in all the reports. Yeah. So they, you know, so it, somebody wanted it out there that it was a six-year deal for D'Amico Ryans. You know, it's funny. You bring up David Culley, and one of the things I did, I this is the press conference I've most been looking forward to maybe since I got to the station here in 2014. I'm just, I woke up today really excited to go out to NRG Stadium today and, and experience this because I think, considering what the last three years have looked like, this is going to really feel like the clouds breaking today and some sun shining on this team. To fully appreciate it, I actually went back and watched the David Culley introductory press conference yesterday. Yeah. I, subject, I could subject myself to it, and this you know, this I don't want this to sound as a like a gratuitous swipe at, at David Culley. We've taken plenty of those. Um, but it really is I think just to compare everything about that time with the team. I mean, that was when Deshaun Watson was had still that was right after he had freshly requested a trade, but we didn't know all the legal stuff that was about to happen. Yeah. So the team is taking up for Deshaun and saying we're not trading him. There was I found Seth a A video that Jason Bristol, your colleague at KHOU, did uh, the day of the David Culley press conference. Kind of chopping together the highlights of it and doing one of those things where Jason stands up very energetically in front of a TV screen and gives his opinion on things. I had forgotten about this. There was a plane flying over the stadium that day during David Culley's press conference. It said, Janice, sell the team. Oh,
3: that's right. That's where
2: we were. So it really is. I mean, it's almost two years to the day. That was January 29th, I want to say. Back in 2021, I mean, we're literally like at about a two-year anniversary, and this thing feels—I won't say a full 180. They got to win games, and they all acknowledge that. But man, today is gonna gonna have such a just such a different feel compared to really these last. I mean, the Lovey Smith thing felt good last year, mostly because it wasn't Josh McCown. Yeah. Um, this is a this genuine is the word genuine, authentic. Like this is what it's supposed to feel like. When you're a rebuilding team hiring a head coach,
3: it's uh, yeah. There's a level of excitement. There's a level of irrational exuberance. Yes, which is what you're supposed to. Which you know, we had fun with that yesterday. When uh, there's always 10 percent that wants to point out, "Hey guys, he hasn't won anything yet." To which we reply, "Do you think we're that stupid? Like, do we? Do you think we don't understand the way pro football works?" Then uh, it's astounding. It's astounding. And frankly, I criticize Odyssey for letting allowing us to have our jobs, but. Um, just like when you're at the onset of anything, you haven't had any negatives to have to endure yet or that have tested you. And, uh, the world is just resplendent with possibilities. Yes. Especially because I like, I personally am very excited about D'Amico, Ryan. I am too. Sean, so I'm I- almost toying with the idea of pledging that if it doesn't work out with D'Amico, I will, I will leave this job. You'll leave too. I yeah. stumped so hard for D'Amico. I feel like my credibility is on the line here, and uh, and I feel like I I need to emotionally intertwine my fate with D'Amico's.
2: I would submit nobody stumped harder. Nobody else did a twenty five minute video saying why he should be the head coach of the football team
3: with with outstanding audience retention numbers on That's YouTube. Yep.
2: That's right. <laughs> All right, You're um, that advertisers. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, um, listen up. Yeah, we'll so, do this again at eight o'clock. So
3: I'm quitting this job if it doesn't work out for D'Amico. Loser leaves town. There it yep. is.
2: Seth is attaching himself to D'Amico. And I right. love this job. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're safe. You think I
3: want to spend four hours a day with somebody other than Sean? Thank you, buddy. I despise I most it. people. I feel the same way. You know way how much anxiety you. I have over going to an event later today? <laughs> instead here. of just hanging out with Sean? <laughs> That's My right. God. Same
2: here. That's why you make how drunk I'm going to have to get? <laughs> is there going to be alcohol at the press conference? D'Amico! D'Amico! Go. 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 We got a segment in here for questions at the press conference. First question <laughs> Is there alcohol here? D'Amico, I need to go to the Seth, bathroom. Seth, you have the first question. Go ahead. Yeah, Seth Payne, Sports <laughs> Radio 610. Are there drinks? Yeah. Where's the open bar? Um, all right. Um, there, there is a question or an observation that people are making that I know is frustrating Seth greatly. It is literally the very first text we got to the show today. I think people need to calm down a little bit about some of this yeah. stuff. We'll tell you what it is next.
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
4: Selling a little or a lot.
1: Payne and Pendergast.
2: Payne and Pendergast with you. All right, so it's funny. (laughs) I I come in this morning. I open up the rundown. It's a collaborative effort every day with me and Seth Payne, and he's got his stuff in there. I got mine. And I look at the text page, and I look at the rundown, and in the 6.16 a.m. segment, um, Seth, you had written, um, Texans interviewed the Patriots tight end coach. Kaylee is his last name, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um... And you said interview him, and people are concerned that D'Amico has no power, no, uh, because they're interviewing a Patriots guy.
3: Uh, <laughs> Here was the first people are people are irate. Yes, I mean, it was trending. It was trending. I, I try. I've been trying to do a better job of checking what's trending because sometimes I miss out on big stuff. And I saw that Casario was trending. Yeah, I looked on it, and it was people flipping out over the fact that the Texans had not hired. But interviewed, interviewed a Patriots tight ends coach. Interviewed yes. a
2: guy who's taken other interviews this cycle. So that's he, the key. Yeah.
3: That's the key. This is not some one-off weird, like, hey, we'll make Jack Easter be a key guy despite nobody else in the league yeah. doing something like this. This is a guy that's taken other interviews, and it's an interview.
2: I'm going to let you address that concern. In, well, you just kind of did right there, yeah. but I just want to read because I just had to laugh. That's all I'm saying is I had to laugh because Seth types this in here. I look at the text page, and the very first text that I see – for the show this morning on the trailer wheel and frame text page 2836 Seth and Sean I'm sending this before I leave from work so this guy woke up this morning thinking I got to send this text yeah I was feeling really good about this coaching cycle until seeing Casario Making D'Amico interview his Patriots assistant yeah. and John Carroll, buddy yeah. for OC, is D'Amico not in charge of hiring his assistants? Right. So
3: making D'Amico hire this is this is where everybody's got to settle the hell down. Making okay. an interview. Allow me to go. Allow me to go, Chester Pitts here for a moment. Where Chester told everybody to settle down a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be annoying and tell everybody to settle down. Okay. A, it's an interview. B, other people are interviewing this dude. C. Not everything is a damn HBO series. Okay. Lots of, if you're, if what you guys genuinely and really desire is a positive, productive working environment between D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario, it's going to be a team effort. This damn jockeying for position, this backstabbing, all this stuff. Yeah. This is not what a productive GM and head coach situation looks like. So it doesn't have, not every damn thing has to be a power struggle. This, if, if you want D'Amico to come in and be able to focus on coaching and have, and Nick to have input on a lot, you know, a lot of things, but also D'Amico be able to have input on personnel and all of that, they're both going to have recommendations. They're going to explore every opportunity. What do you, do you really want this? Let me ask you this. Is this what you want for D'Amico Ryans? For D'Amico to come in. And be like, "Hey, Nick, nice to meet you." Nick says, "Hey, um, look, I've got a list of some guys that I thought about we might want to look at." And front of me, going to be like, "Nope,
2: nope." He, he takes the list yeah. and then rips it right in front of Nick's face. You see this, Nick? It at this him. is your
3: power draining from the organization. Right. You're on
2: short time, Mister. Yep. You're like, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> so they interviewed a guy.
3: That, like, that what
2: the hell? But but this is not. I I don't I don't blame the te- and I know I'm not saying you are, but I don't blame the texter. I don't blame people for feeling that way. This is this is the aftermath of being. In a dysfunctional relationship with a football team that had a charlatan in the building for three years, uh, we are shelter dogs. This is yeah, yeah. No, scalded dogs. Absolutely. This will be the hardest thing to beat out of this fan base. Will be the what's a scalded dog? uh, Like, uh, like you know, like burned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. I said shelter dog. Yeah, yeah. Either one works. We get the analogy. Shelter's a little less graphic. It is. It is. That's probably tough for six twenty in the morning. So, anyways. yeah, yeah. Chill out. They're interviewing a guy, and he happens to be from the Patriots. He right. might be a very. I, I, this just in. They do have capable guys that work in the building. And look, up there. And this is
3: listen. Shelter dogs. I'm going to tell you guys. Shelter dogs. You, you, and the scalded. It's fine. Scalded. I kind of think of more like a like an angry dog or something. Yeah. That's going. Uh, anyway. So a shelter dog. You like listen, everybody. You might say, yeah, yeah. But what if that is what happens? That's how. Look, that the, the, when you project that behavior, that's what you get. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. We need to be all in this together. Okay, City of Houston, we're all in this together. We've got a franchise in the Houston Texans that needs some remediation and rehabilitation, and I feel like they're on their way. But this is a tender and sensitive moment, okay? Yes, big time. Look, I I'll have plenty of room. I I love D'Amico Ryan's. I stumped for him. My job fate is intertwined with his because it if it doesn't now. work out for yep. if it doesn't work out for D'Amico Ryan's, I'm leaving this job and I love this job, but I'm leaving because I I my credibility is on the line. And yet, there will be times when I criticize D'Amico Ryan yeah. or. But Or or want him to do things differently. But that's different than every little hint of anything saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there's dysfunction afoot. Right. Oh my gosh, Nick Casario's trying to wrest control from the rest of the organization. It doesn't have to be that way. Sean Payton. Sean Payton. Uh, this is the one thing that I take from Colin Coward and feel like, okay, there's something there. Colin Coward was talking about Sean Payton the other day and, and talking about how he, Sean Payton really doesn't need total personnel control when he's evaluating jobs. Mm -hmm. And I believe that because he worked with Mickey Loomis for 15 years. That's right. And they had a very positive, productive GM-head coach relationship. There's a lot of give and take. There's a lot of opinion giving. The Ravens have always done this very well. Um, I think both with Billick and with Harbaugh, Mm -hmm. that organization just understands that there's – I think the phrase Billick used was – like productive dysfunction where you're okay. Yeah. You're going to have your arguments. You're going to go scrimmage sometimes again, butt heads against each other, but ultimately you figure it out. And it doesn't have to be this formalized balance sheet of like, oh, who's got the power now, or who's uh, who won that, who won that argument. It just it shouldn't be like that if it's a good relationship. And I do think that between both Casario and D'Amico Ryan's, they're both wired that way. Yeah. So so get out, get out, get the Easterby stuff out of your head. Get the Bill O'Brien stuff out of your head.
2: I'm glad you brought brought O'Brien yeah. up, yeah, because that that's as you're laying this all out, and you talk about Ozzie Newsom and, and John Harbaugh and Ozzie Newsom and Brian Billick, Ozzie Newsom, the GM in Baltimore. For many many years, um, this this does predate Easterby. This GM, right, right, head coach Rick Smith,
0: Rick it Smith and a, Bill O'Brien dynamic yeah.
2: was just as bad. Yeah, you know th- that was more conventional. Like they just disagreed on stuff. Easterby's, there was a much more nefarious aspect to what to so what was going on. Aspect yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned that if D'Amico loses his job, that you've tied your fate to his. You'll leave this job. But you do like working with me. Um, there's a texter who is correcting you here on the trailer wheel and frame text page 6442. It says, Can we be honest? Seth just despises Sean a little less than he despises everybody else. Yeah. Hello, go well.
3: die, everybody. Right. Yes. right, Including myself. I think I hate you less than I hate myself. So there you go. That's pretty good in the power rankings. It's, I'm above you. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, I've been reading a lot about psychedelic therapy lately because there's a, a new wave of. Basically, um, like LSD started out as being used as a psychological, uh, like a, thera- a treatment drug. Therapeutic yeah, drug. But yeah, but it kind of got lumped in Nixon's war on drugs and everything. All of a sudden, all these stories about mushrooms and LSD t- t- turned into. Remember the stories they told you if you did it three times, you're in legally oh, insane yeah, and all that yeah. stuff? Yeah. So listen, uh, not. Recreationally, I would still advise against it, kids. Sure, okay, but as sure. far as for therapeutic reasons, but in reading about a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. um, like in not having done it yet, I feel though like I'm becoming a little bit more. Like a uh, like a deadhead who sees the world a little bit differently. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm breaking down barriers just, and everything, Just by grown. researching it. Just by researching okay. it. It's interesting. I kind of... Uh, I'm, j- I'm considering doing it at some point. I, that's what I was going to ask you. Under yeah. controlled circumstances with a doctor, all that, sure, with, sure. a, with a therapist. But but just in kind of reading about what the effects are, yeah. I feel like I'm benefiting it from a little bit. And that's where I felt like, you know what? I am ready to tune in, uh, turn on, and drop out. And that's why if it doesn't work out for D'Amico... You're gonna find me, basically in the Himalayas somewhere, On a hill, <laughs> wearing some comfy robe and uh, just meditating. Okay, is this what
2: is this a flavor of what Aaron Rodgers is into right now? A little
3: bit. That's the problem. Okay, yeah,
2: that I don't need you to turn into Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. That would be.
3: Well, no, you know one thing I've learned is that if, um, if, if if this one doctor recommends against it, if you have personality disorders, okay, I do think, and this I, I'm, I'm reading more about this because this has long been my theory. Some of these Silicon Valley types, um, when they start taking it, it's almost like it makes them more able to exploit people. Like it, oh, it, gives them, it gives them enough yeah. of a taste of empathy to be really dangerous. <laughs> it's like they're people without empathy, but all of a sudden they get a, they at least get a little bit of a glimpse of, it and they're like, oh, so this is. I can better, I can better, I can better take. I, I feel what they feel a little bit, yeah. so now I can really use that against them. Boy, yeah. big time. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. almost.
2: It's almost. Like a te- like a smidge of empathy also uh, almost sets you up better to to get ahead. Right, than just being an a hole. You all can fake
3: because then you can fake it better. Wow, you know what to say to fake That's it next better. Next level. Well, okay, yeah, the- I'm gonna
2: start taking mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs>
3: under certain circumstances. Under- yeah, yeah, Sean, no,
2: under the supervision of a medical I'm not official,
3: like driving to work in the morning. No, or something, No, man, no, you no, 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 or at least some kind of uh, you know a um um uh, what do they call the spiritual lead anyway.
2: Shaman? We'll yeah, Shaman. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love you know, I love this show. I feel like I'm playing Password like three times a show. <laughs> <laughs> shaman! No? <laughs> That's <laughs> a
3: pretty good pull.
2: Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate Sometimes it.
3: Sometimes you can't come up with Maybe simple I have things one. like Bruce Smith, but know, you know, Shaman. I, know, it's so I think weird. you've been doing a little research of your own. <laughs> hey,
2: you know what? <laughs> gotta, Sean's got his own we, Canadian we gotta, Shaman we got to keep call. this show on top, baby. It may be psychedelic drugs that keep us there. All right, um, we'll get to Colin Cowherd, too. You mentioned him. Um, the Sean Payton, uh, we, we played the audio of Colin Cowherd, basically inadvertently comparing Sean Payton to Phil Jackson. Um, Colin Cowherd kind of makes an admission yesterday on the show about his coverage of Sean Payton, which we will get to also, what are the big questions we want answered today
0: at D'Amico Ryan's introductory press conference? That as well. We'll get to that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
1: Live from the Twin Peaks studios,
2: Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. I'll tell you why. We were having a really important conversation off the
3: air. I was trying to sell Sean on gluten-free Oreos. And whether you're gluten-free or not, the thing that I've discovered about gluten-free Oreos is that they don't have that same uh, tendency for all of for, for it to look like you've been eating black licorice for yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. Like your teeth aren't all... Uh, you know, filled in with the crevices and gaps are all issue. filled in yeah. with, with black. Yeah. So, okay. uh, yeah, it's a different. It's almost, I would say gluten-free Oreos might be the closest resemblance to the actual product right. than any other packaged dessert. Yes. Yeah.
2: All right. So if anybody from the Oreo Corporation or what are they, Nabisco or something? I don't know if they're listening. Uh, Seth needs an Oreo endorsement.
3: Well, they also... Well, we were saying... Oreo's been doing a lot of creative stuff lately. It's a good-looking Oreo right there. This is like the most Oreo Oreo limited-time edition. Looks like it's triple stuff. Limited-time, eh? Cookies and cream. Man. You gotta hand it to Oreo. It's been around forever, and then like all the... You know what? They probably did the psychedelic therapy. Maybe. Maybe. They probably got the ayahuasca going. That's the Aaron (laughs) Rodgers version of the Oreo. Probably so.
2: Their partnership with vanilla ice cream was the best thing to ever happen to the Oreo in the last two decades. Cookies and cream. Oh, okay. It's a mainstream flavor. Was it not before that? It was. I mean, cookies and cream was not part of my childhood growing up. I feel like it didn't get here until my adult my adult like Elijah.
3: as a cookies and cream like a uh, you can get like, a cookies and cream milkshake Yeah cookies like cream, cookies this, and, like cookies
2: and cream is almost at the level of chocolate vanilla and strawberry it's like the next tier below I feel like the the tiers of like mainstream flavor you got Chocolate, mm. vanilla, and strawberry like the fulcrum. And then the next tier is like coffee, ice cream, mint chocolate chip. And I feel like cookies and cream is on Isn't that level right now. Cookies and
3: cream is on mint chocolate chip level? Absolutely.
2: 100%. I don't
3: know. I think you're looking through your own algorithm. Maybe man. so. I think that's what so. f- popping up on your Trailer timeline. wheel
2: and frame text page is cookies and cream on the level of mint chocolate chip. Shh. So, like
3: a secondary staple? Yeah,
2: secondary staple. Like ripe, vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry will always be the, the mainstream. What are I mean, the, the
3: 33 flavors and how many Baskin of them Robins, are second tier? There's
2: bubble gum, there's cotton candy. Well,
3: neither of those are second tier. Birthday second-tier. cake? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What kind of freaky stuff are they into over yeah, that's there? Crazy was, man. See that yeah. was start, that started off in the '60s Dude. like Ben and Jerry's. Oh
2: yeah, they're swinging over there, man. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, crazy <laughs> they stuff. Don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't
3: to, define themselves by conventional. Get to
2: a Baskin Robbins, let me
3: tell you. Well, chocolate chip, I guess, would be a second tier. Chocolate yeah. chip
2: is in that tier as well. Yeah. So,
3: mint chocolate chip would be above mint chocolate chip, though chocolate chip Dude, if you think cookies and cream is anywhere above fourth tier you're crazy you're
2: no you're nuts cookies and cream is right there' I'm, the people are gonna just destroy you on the trailer wheel gonna t- uh, no
3: honestly all right no, screw this I, I hope our program director isn't listening um I'm gonna I'm gonna most sold ice cream flavors Okay, vanilla ice cream, yep. chocolate ice cream, yep. strawberry. Yep, there you go. Okay. Chocolate chip is number four. Okay. Butter pecan yeah. is number five. I just had some this week. It was good. Matcha, which this is bogus. What? All right. Well, yeah. uh, No, there's no yeah, way are doing good for a while. All right, this is the a one different one. Okay, of. these are the 15 most okay. popular. Okay,
2: yeah, okay, here we go. Okay, quickly. <laughs> Oh, you, oh, that got you. Okay. There's nothing quick about it. Yeah, they got me now. Okay, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. Yeah, butter pecan. Yeah, I just ate some butter pecan this week. It was
3: delicious. Number four. Oh, tied for third. Mint chocolate chip. Yep. Yep. Um. Yep. Other. Oh,
2: son of a. Is cookies and cream? Yes. Yeah, I told you, man.
3: If you get below other, which I don't know what that. Yeah, so cookies and cream would be included. That okay? It's, so cookies and cream is a second it's, it's, tier. It's right okay. there. I'm
2: telling With you. With butter pecan, practical. mint
3: chocolate chip, yeah. and. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Okay.
2: Oh wow. Okay.
3: They're above Rocky Road and coffee. Rocky Road and pistachio. Rocky
2: Road is Rocky Road is. It's uh, it's Seinfeld. It's uh, you know it's Cheers. Rocky Road is it's old. Birthday cake is down there below those.
3: Okay. All right. I concede. Now
2: everybody in their cars. Did I make a pledge to quit my job? If I no, that's if D'Amico gets fired. Yeah. If
3: D'Amico doesn't work out, I'm quitting this job. Right. Right. That's uh, my I've I've, I stumped hard for D'Amico. I sold all of you on him uh, to a degree, frankly, which kind of shocked me. Uh, I didn't know I wielded such power. It makes me think, what else can I sell these people do on? You,
2: do you want? Do you want to hear from a texter on the trailer wheel and frame text page who watched your YouTube video? Yeah. About so Seth did a 25 minute YouTube video like two weeks ago. And how
3: D'Amico Ryan's absolutely must be the Texans. Must have the
2: job. It was. It was really really good. Um, I
3: intended it to be a tight eight minutes. Yeah. (laughs) But that's how passionate you are about D'Amico. I had so many bullet points. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's how passionate. The text message. Hey, Seth, I'm one of your YouTube subscribers, and I showed your D'Amico video to my wife because she didn't really know anything about him. (laughs) Afterwards, she said, quote, well, now if he doesn't get the job, I'm going to be really disappointed. End quote. I'm a propagandist. you nailed the sales pitch, is what
3: the texter says. I'm basically D'Amico Ryan's chief propagandist. Absolutely.
2: You're the Baghdad Bob of D'Amico, Ryan. in that. Yeah, gonna be two and seven to start next year, and Seth's gonna be citing all the good stats.
3: And I know what everybody's thinking. Oh, Seth for twenty five minutes. Wow. <laughs> At what point did he get into like the War of eighteen twelve and things you didn't know about? It was a it? good video. No. no, no, no. I stayed on task. You did. I had an outline. Oh, of your tendencies. I yes. edited. Yeah, I edited. I just, I, I kept, I kept focused. Damn it. It's the most focused I've ever been for 25 minutes in my life.
2: D'Amico is like mint chocolate chip. And along those lines, (laughs) let's stack rank all the ice (laughs) creams. Yeah. Um, It's a tight 25 minutes. It could have been three hours. I've not heard this audio yet from Colin Cowherd. You have. Um,
3: I was on a. I went into a little bit of a Colin Cowherd rabbit hole because he's got a bunch of different. He's got. He's got all over the place now too. Got, he doesn't just have his TV show. He's got a little and, podcast, and we've done enough all, on yeah. him now
2: where we've been algorithmed with Colin Cowherd. Yeah, yeah, he's probably. popping up all over the place. And you're he's, like, oh, that looks like an interesting title. Boom! But he had some things to say about uh, Sean Payton take, taking the Broncos job. Yes. Uh,
3: so you and I wondered if okay. Colin Coward before was acting like taking the Broncos' job would be the dumbest thing ever because if you take it, you're just being a you're just being a, a whore. Yeah, excuse my you're, language. You're, you're Phil Jackson. You're prostituting yourself. You're just taking the money for a job that's yeah. not all that great. You're
2: Phil Jackson to the Knicks.
3: Yes. Um, he didn't phrase it exactly like that, but I was actually kind of surprised to hear why Colin Coward believes Sean Payton took the job.
6: I think Sean liked working in television and knew next year you've got two great college quarterbacks who are both guys that can start. I think in the end and it won't come out maybe for a while, could this just have been you know, 25 million a year? I'll figure it out. Yeah. Right?
3: I I mean. Yeah, and at that point he's asking Michael Silver, the guy that looks like Harry Carey and talks like him too, <laughs> about <laughs> yeah. uh, about it like his opinion. Yeah. Um but he I think later on he got even more kind of assertive with it and and also I don't think that Colin was fraudulent in his prior opinion about what he thought Sean Payton would do. This is how he explained it.
6: I talked to Sean Monday after my show. I thought he was a Fox employee. I think this thing came down to Denver making a financial commitment to Sean, letting him know, hey, we know it's not easy. We're going to take the pay scale to a different level.
3: Yeah. Okay, so so this is where the D'Amico part comes in. Okay. Because, you know, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter were going back and forth about exactly who was the favorite and all of that. It looks very, very possible that once Denver got the kibosh from D'Amico, then maybe Sean Payton had moved on, and they were maybe Sean Payton was originally their first choice, but when Sean said he didn't want the job, and then D'Amico turned them down, and perhaps Harbaugh said no way, that the Walmart group... Who I was, and I'll will take this one on the chin. I was skeptical that the Walmart people were like so willing to spend huge, huge money because it's freaking Walmart. Um, but like no matter how much money they have, like Walmart, it's not like Walmart is jacking up the prices on things anyway. Um, I think that uh, no matter what, I, I think D'Amico and then others turning them down made the Walmart people freak out and realize that they were being made to look like fools, and that also, and this is something that happens to the owners in the NFL they think they know scrutiny because they've been on some shareholders' meetings or they've seen something, which, like, in the business section oh, of dude. the paper, that, it's Like nobody reads the business section except no, for a small, dude. select group of your cronies.
2: Hell hath no fury like a scorned football fan. The
3: sports, the sports yeah. page, the sports media, all of that, that is a level of attention to which most billionaires are completely unaccustomed. That's right. So when all of a sudden they're looking around and they're going through – I guess yeah, they don't go through the airport when they go through their private aviation lounge on the way to their jet. And ESPN is on, and people are talking about how badly the the, the Broncos ownership group is botching things. Then yeah, I think I think when D'Amico shut them down, they realized, oh boy, uh, we're really
2: twisting in the wind here.
3: Okay, Mister Payton, yeah, we'll give you as much. And we got to make a want. splash. Yeah, you know
2: we've set up our fan base, and by, and they need and they need something that could possibly fix them quickly. Yeah. You know they can't grow with uh, a. A risky a risky first time head coach. I think D'Amico carries less risk.
3: But that's where it's it's nice. It's nice to know that the Texans landed a guy that other teams definitely wanted.
2: That left other teams scrambling when right. they didn't get him. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. matter
3: what actually happened with the Broncos, I think it's because there's so many conflicting reports, I think it's very, very fair to say that the Broncos would have been really cool with hiring D'Amico Ryan. Absolutely, they were, It was whether he was first choice, second choice, whatever it was. Like he was a very legitimate candidate. D'Amico turned down the other two interviews that he could have had, and um, like this is not some random dude that nobody took seriously at first. This is D'Amico Ryan's one of the more sought after sought after candidates from this cycle.
2: Blew them away in his yeah. interview is what is what the uh, reports were. Here's the thing: not to do too deep a dive on the Broncos because I want to get back to D'Amico, but one of the interesting things that Cowherd said in that first cut, kind of rationalizing the job on Peyton's behalf, was, you know, he takes this job, and actually, Ben, play the first one one more time. I'll down cue you when we get I think Sean
6: liked working in television, and knew next year you've got two great college quarterbacks who are both guys that can start, I think, in the end. Right there,
2: that's all I needed. He's talking about not Stroud and... Bryce Young. He's right. talking about next year. He's talking about uh, the May kid from North Carolina and Caleb Williams. For one, you've got to be in position to draft them. That's number one. Number two, Russell Wilson's cap hits to get rid of him yeah. are exorbitant for the next three years. If they decide to move on from Russell Wilson after this year, they have $85 million in dead money they're going to carry. Unless they can trade him. And there's some team that's taking some of that blow yeah. away from them. But if you're if Russell Wilson has failed to the point where they want to move on to Caleb Williams next year, no one's trading for Russell that's Wilson. Where
3: I've heard various versions of explanations for why Peyton took this job, and it, none of them make any sense other than Peyton just saw 25 million or whatever it ended up being sitting out there. They're trapped. Um, yeah, because they they'll say they'll say either one of two things. They'll be like, well. Uh, Peyton can withstand, uh, not having a quick turnaround because he's got that cachet. or they'll say the exact opposite, which is, and this is funny because this is what, uh, Colin Coward believes too. Hey, they've got their quarterback and Russell Wilson. Like, all, now all of a sudden he's the biggest Russell Wilson fan <laughs> right, in the world. Right, right. And, uh, so it, it's, it, like, no, it's, it's money. It's yeah. just flat out money. And so, and honestly, too, that's where I'll give the Texans credit for, I think, just, not trying to throw money at the problem. Yeah. I don't know what D'Amico's contract is. I don't know. Maybe they gave him thirty million dollars a Who year. Knows. I doubt it. I'm guessing that it's along the lines of what a lot of first year guys get, but it is longer. The average per year is probably in line with a lot of first time head coaches, but it's a six year deal. Yeah,
2: yeah. I wonder if he got the Matt Rule
3: deal though too, because he was Matt a-
2: Rule was seven years, a little over sixty million. Yeah. So between eight and nine million, I would guess it wouldn't shock me if D'Amico got ten million dollars a year. That wouldn't shock me.
3: I wish I hadn't yelled at him when he was a rookie.
2: <laughs> he probably forgives and forgets. Okay. I'll, I'll remind you, he sued the Texans at one time, and now he's working for them. So I
3: was told that that was an impossible barrier you? to. I was told there's an impossible barrier to overcome as my, as many times as I would say, "Listen, it's no big deal." Okay. No, Seth, you don't know the ways of the world, Seth. You're just a, a simple child, really, is what you are.
2: A good segue along those lines. Um, that is one of the things that I hope he gets asked about today, just so we can put that to bed. And we don't have to hear about it anymore.
3: What if. uh, is, what if, Was
2: there ever any ill will between you and the team throughout the time you were litigating? What if them?
3: D'Amico gets up and says that uh, actually the lawsuit is still pending? Still ongoing. And I'm not actually going to officially show up for work until it's resolved.
2: Right, right. And he sits in a chair <laughs> next to the entrance at training camp with his arms crossed like this. It's a wildcat strike. <laughs> yes, yes.
3: <laughs> He's got one of those
2: sandwich boards rest- on. Yeah. <laughs> Outside the gates, he just starts picketing around right, the press right. conference. He's like, "Coach, <laughs> what are you doing?" <laughs> um, what what
3: are the oh, the, as far as that lawsuit, real quick. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, honestly, uh, look the the lawsuit came how many years after? That was almost a decade after I had pulled two hamstring tendons off my pelvis. Correct, be, because that tray system in there just didn't give you good footing, brutal. and brutal. I, I did the splits with. Uh, with two offensive linemen crashing down on me, not good. Yeah, it was it was pain. It was a pain. It wasn't as much painful as it was debilitating. Yeah, emotionally too, Sean.
2: So I'm sure I can. So,
3: tell you. but the lawsuit didn't end up. It's like a workers' comp case, and I'm like, oh. and honestly, ultimately, it ended up making working conditions safer for people at NRC. Yes, yes. So, am I painting D- D'Amico as? Uh the Aaron Brockovich He's, of our time. I yes, I am. Yes. He is our He is the NFL player's Aaron Brockovich. That'll
2: be your question for him today at the press conference. D'Amico, do you see yourself as the Aaron Brockovich of this era? Mm. Don't give any backstory or context, just just bring up Aaron Brockovich's and name. And like, like, hey, how have, it goes. have you seen Steel Magnolias? <laughs> right. Oh Where gosh. do you power rank that amongst Julia Roberts' this movies? Pretty Woman. Um so I, the questions I want to I want to know I do want to know what are, like, as he was watching this franchise from afar the last three years, Yeah, all the things that people thought would be reasons D'Amico Ryans would not want this job, Yeah, just what his thoughts were on that. Were there things he had to ask about that he was leery about before taking the job? That
3: is a a really good question. I think that's another thing that I would try to explain to people from outside of Houston was it's very easy for, like, guys like Michael Silver that we were just talking about, the Harry Carey fella. Um, kind of just a uh, lo- lob of broad accusations about Cal McNair, uh, because it's a convenient narrative, and I think as it is in life, things things are actually way more complex than you can paint them in 20 seconds on a cable television show, yeah. and and I think D'Amico understands that and probably knows and understands, you know, Cal's Cal's intentions, uh, Cal's level of humility, um, all of those things. And I think Cal's willingness to, it is a big one. I think Cal McNair more so than probably, you know, people might realize is very humble and willing to acknowledge where he needs to learn or improve just like any of us do. Yep. You know, without saying, but like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to paint him out as like a guy who particularly needs uh, that improvement just like anybody does. Um and I think just D'Amico under D'Amico can see Cal McNair as an actual person instead of a, a caricature on TV. Yep. Yeah.
2: Um I, I I'm with you and then I think D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario are gonna work well together. But I would like to hear his vision of working with Nick Casario. You know, what's that gonna look like? Hiring a staff, say in personnel, what their world views are like and where they contrast. Yeah. I, I'd rather hear about how they contrast than how they line up. Yeah, and that's a that's an interesting one. On just a
3: nuts and bolts level of what is the getting to know you phase like with a GM and a head coach, where they've try- never
2: spent any time together, right,
3: right, right? Where you're trying to learn, you know, what you can and can't do. One of the, I thought one of the great mic'd up moments with Bill O'Brien was with him and Deshaun Watson. I remember one time having a conversation on the sideline we basically O'Brien was saying that to Deshaun, like, "Hey, no, that's good. This is you and I getting to know each other. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you said this, I said this, and like now we can, you know, now we have that common experience. And I think as long as you go into it with that attitude of, you know, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna figure out what we do and don't agree on. And and I and again, I'll say this, this is me saying this. Uh, like, I just I feel like Nick and D'Amico both have the kind of personalities where it's possible to have productive arguments, to have productive disagreements, mm-hmm. um, to want to try to come to consensus, sometimes not see the eye to eye, to give and, you know, sometimes as well as get all those things where it's, yeah, it's not always, it's, you're never in, if you're, if you're agreeing on things all the time, then one of you is unnecessary. yeah and I think both those guys understand that.
2: He is going to get asked today about the number two overall pick. He's going to get asked about the need for a quarterback, and I'll be anxious to see what his answer is just in comparison to, and I'll use David Culley because I watched Culley's introductory press conference last night just to gain a greater appreciation for this era of Texans football we're about to embark upon. Um, Culley's MO was to defer everything personnel-wise to, that's Nick's department. Yeah, I'll be anxious to see if D'Amico does the same thing. Or if he actually has opinions on things that have to do with drafting players. Oh,
3: yeah. You know, and I think um, now what you will get, though,
2: too. I'm sure, he has opinions, but will well, he convey those that's opinions? That's the thing.
3: I think that you got to remember that D'Amico is, I believe, going to be a very good head coach. And part of being a very good head coach is sometimes giving boring answers because yeah. you have to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, uh, I hope to, because honestly. Well, Cully would try to give boring answers and they would end up being just the Unsuccessfully. Opposite. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I think that uh, I I hope for some just some boring cliche answers at point. Lovey Smith was pretty good at giving the boring answers when they needed to have it. Yep. Um but I yeah, no, I think he's gonna give some insight where, where he sees fit.
2: I hope so. All right. So that'll be today uh, three fifty nine PM today to be exact. Uh, is when D'Amico is going to meet with the media. 7 30 today on the show, Chris Myers, former Texan center, is going to join us. So we'll get his thoughts on the hiring of D'Amico Ryans. And tomorrow, a reminder at 7 30 a.m., Nick Casario, Texans GM, joins us on the program. Up next, the national media. We played some national media yesterday with completely uninformed takes on D'Amico Ryans. These are much better takes from national media. These are, these guys
0: nailed it. I yes. was
3: honestly, I was just, I was, uh, I was genuinely excited when I heard these guys talk. All right,
2: so Teddy Brusky, Ryan Clark, Marcus Spears, that is next.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.